0: And thank you, everybody, for joining this webinar on public sector enterprises. Um, this is a subject that is kind of forgotten in Pakistan. Subhoolcho caseko ke koi exist bi karte hai ya nahi karte. program me public sector enterprises but normally we forget. And especially the civil society doesn't seem to remember that public sector enterprises hai. Or research because I do, I've hardly seen any papers. On public sector enterprises so, so i jumped at it because i thought it was a very good idea Mehdi sahab is obviously one of the veterans of this area he knows this area very well so he's the man who's put this webinar together and i'll invite him to come first and lay down the um, outline and um, tell us how to proceed but uh, let me begin by just quickly introducing the panel that we have obviously it's Mehdi. He's um been uh, in public sector enterprises and many uh, many enterprises manage them set uh, been in the board of investment been in the board of management and uh, set out uh, framework for managing these enterprises so he's the right man to lead this webinar and then we've got uh, many luminaries we've got arshad zaman former chief economist of um pakistan dr Ashad zaman and very happy that Hashtag Bal mehedi has been able to pull him out. I've tried my best and found it very difficult to pull him out. Then we've got Saleem Raza, the former governor of the Central Bank, long international banking experience. He knows the public sector enterprises well, too. So that should be very good. Then, of course, we've got Sikandar Khan, who is uh, uh, the main man behind Millet Tractors, uh, getting it privatized and uh, ran it for a long time. Still the chairman of the board, I think. So he is uh, also very well positioned. Then we've got Tasneem Narani, a well-known civil servant to, uh, Secretary Commerce, Secretary Interior, many places. Tasnim Narani Saab has been, uh, um, you know, he's obviously very well known, writes for newspapers, does many things, a very active job. So this, I don't think you could get a better panel than this. So, Stigbal Vedhi Sab, since you are the architect of this, why don't you take charge and tell us how to proceed? So, uh,
1: uh, interesting uh, and uh, uh, a great uh, panel we have today and um, probably I think the first one person who will be um, uh, addressing um, uh, the, the, the webinar will be Ayesha Zaman. Um, on um, just that uh, he will not be coming on the screen, but uh, we'll be hearing from him. And, uh, so Dr. Ayesha and uh, then... Um, Others, you have already introduced, so I don't have to. Uh, um, and they are already such well-known personalities, so you, we don't have to introduce any one of them anyway. So, um, so can we, uh, Nadeem, can we invite um, Aishad to come in?
0: Zuru, go ahead,
2: Akshat. Thank you very Hello. much, uh, and, uh, Nadeem. Let <clears> throat> me throat> see if I can share my presentation.
0: Please do.
1: We can we can see this um, uh, shit, but we can't hear you.
2: Can't hear me anymore.
1: We we can hear you
2: now. Okay. I think I have to speak close to the Yes. Bismillahir Rahim.
3: Yes.
2: It is really a privilege mm. and a pleasure to speak to such a distinguished panel. Experts on state enterprises. In my talk, I will try to confine myself to making three points. First, that how states should manage SOEs is by now well-known. But second, that the main difficulty is that both governments and our scholars lack the self-confidence to take charge of our own fate. This is a a mental block of sorts. So consequently, third point I would make would be that uh, we should for the time being forget about offering policy solutions that the governments lack the confidence to implement. Focus instead on building the capacity for thinking and analysis that is independent of inapplicable imported generic solutions. Um, this is what Nadim was alluding to, I think. when He said, que,
1: "Can we can we make the the, the uh, sound slightly?" Oh, I'll try
2: to keep my mouth close to the, to I
4: think the that's computer. A,
1: that's a good idea. Is, is
2: this better, Mehdi? Much better. Okay, so now I, my chin is more or less on the computer table now. So, and I'll try to keep it that way. So without further ado, let me review what needs to be done. Now, it is said that generals are always fighting the last war. In the same way, governments are perennially trying to correct past mistakes. Meanwhile, the world is going through the fourth industrial revolution, and we are still debating whether the steel mill was a mistake or not, and other such matters. If we are to catch up and succeed, then we must stop looking back, look at where we stand and what lies ahead, and take risks and make decisions and take charge of our own lives. This seems obvious enough, but why haven't we been able to do this? To a large extent, I believe it is due to the widely held but mistaken belief that policy should be guided by ideology rather than pragmatism. This mental block needs to be overcome. Those who influence and make policy in Pakistan hold as a matter of religious faith, three ideological positions that block pragmatic thought and action. This applies just as much to the research community as it does to governments. Number one, that the state has no role in the economy nor in economic enterprise. This is almost a dogma wherever you go. Number two, so the thing is to disinvest, privatize and deregulate everything. And finally, number three, that the market this uh, host in the machine can provide everything. All that the government needs to do is to stand aside and let the private sector do business easily. Easily is code for meaning without oversight or regulation. Now the origins of these dogmas have nothing to do with Pakistan. They arose in Europe where fear of the Bolshevik revolution and the rise of Hitler led to a distrust of big government Much of it owes to Hayek, who was a political philosopher, who as a teenager fought in the First World War, immigrated to England, and was afraid that the Labour Party might bring socialism to Britain. Clearly, none of this is true in Pakistan, but we had to absorb these dogmas in the 1990s as a condition of borrowing from international financial institutions, most notably the fund and the bank. This has had a disastrous impact on the economy in Pakistan. As you can see from the graph, from 1989 to 2002, I call these years the long IMF 1990s. The long run growth rate fell year after year after year for 14 years. In the first three years of the IMF 90s, the planning commission offered cogent reasons to the IMF why these their prescriptions won't work. But the IMF was in no mood to listen. Their position was my way or the highway. So in the end, the government had no option but to comply and exactly as anticipated, as anticipated disaster followed. In an interview published courtesy of Nadeem in the December issue of PIDE's policy and research I have estimated the economic cost of this policy shift to Pakistan in terms of lost growth conservatively at around $75 billion. The good news, however, is that 30 years later, a few months ago, an official IMF publication has recanted from this gospel of neoliberalism. In the initial years, the Planning Commission had taken the position that the issue with SOEs was managerial autonomy and performance monitoring, not the location of ownership. And it was intelligent regulation that was needed, not blanket deregulation. In the wake of the global financial crisis and the recent pandemic, the IMF has now come around to this view. It now holds that that SOEs have an essential role, and a gro- and growing role to play in the economy. That privatization and deregulation of the kind that had been forced on Pakistan for 30 years should be avoided. And that the private sector cannot provide everything. And in fact, often has to be bailed out by government in the wake of crises. Since This would be hard to believe. Let us hear this from Paolo Mauro, the deputy director of the Fiscal Affairs Department of the IMF in an interview to Ben Hall, the European editor of Financial Times.
0: SOEs, Paolo have been with us for many years. Why is the IMF focusing
5: on this, on their role in the global economy right now? Indeed, hello, Ben. Uh, so uh, we decided to write the Fiscal Monitor chapter on state-owned enterprises because state-owned enterprises are important for people important for the macroeconomy and for the public finances. So for us, uh, writing a fiscal monitor chapter on this very important topic was a natural choice. Uh, What we have noticed is that over the past decade, state-owned enterprises have become more important in the global economy and they have become more international. So just to give you an example, we look at the 2,000 largest firms in the world. Uh, These are both private and state-owned, and what we observe is that today 20% of the assets of of those are state-owned enterprises. A decade ago, state-owned enterprises represented only 10% uh, in that group of the largest firms. So today, uh, state-owned enterprises account for $45 trillion in assets in that group. Uh, This is a very important development in the global economy. Uh, Moreover, they have become more international. There are now many multinational state-owned enterprises. Just to take the example of Europe, uh, there are 600 state-owned enterprises that are multinational and that are owned by uh, governments in Europe.
2: In other words, while we were scaling back our state enterprises under IMF advice, SOEs were growing all over the world, including in Europe. So should we still privatize them all, as we are being told by the IMF? Let us listen again to the fiscal affairs staff of the IMF.
5: Coming to the question of privatization, we know that there are many different reasons why uh, countries have a certain portfolio of state-owned enterprises. Reasons can be political, they can be historical. Maybe many years ago, there was a crisis and the private firm was taken over by the government. It became state-owned and then that never changed. So what we recommend to countries is that on a regular basis, they take a look at the State-owned enterprises one by one and ask themselves is the rationale for having this firm still in the public sector, that rationale is still valid. There may be cases, for example, in small manufacturing, where you look around and you see that private firms are already providing healthy competition in that market. So the rationale for having a state-owned enterprise in that type of market maybe is no longer there. Perhaps it was there a while back, but have changed. In that case, it makes sense to consider privatization. But there are some preconditions for privatization to be effective. One is to make sure that the integrity of the sale of the firm can be preserved. So we don't want to give opportunities for a corrupt sale. The other thing is that once you're privatized, you may need an independent regulator to ensure that the privatized firm is balancing the uh, needs of the consumers, the firms, and of the government. So there are certain preconditions before concluding that privatization is the way
2: to go. In simple words, the IMF has come around to our view that indiscriminate privatization is harmful. SOEs, they are now saying, should not be privatized until There are safeguards against corrupt sales. And there are arrangements to regulate privatized firms in the public interest, which we all know, neither of these is true in Pakistan. So shall we leave it all to the private sector? Do state enterprises provide no essential services? Let us hear them again.
5: As I mentioned earlier, they provide essential services in many countries, so water, electricity, These are essential services, and uh, if you think about the financial sector, some state-owned commercial banks or development banks have the ability to reach certain small and medium-sized enterprises, micro-enterprises, households, farmers, particularly in emerging markets that the private sector, financial sector, doesn't always serve so there's a role to play for state-owned enterprises right now as you were saying we've learned in past crises including the global financial crisis that during these big crises private firms sometimes get into financial trouble and oftentimes the government decides to inject equity take them over particularly that's something that is sensible if there is a future after the crisis. These firms are viable after the crisis, but they do need the public intervention to keep them alive in the meantime. So we may well see that there will be an increase in the size of the state-owned enterprise sector during this crisis.
2: Really, the solution to our problem lies in a close and continuous study of our own realities to cross the river as the Chinese say, by feeling the stones. One difficulty however is that under the neoliberal framework of policy making, the government has stopped monitoring SOEs. The result is that the latest data available to government today is nearly four years old. Nevertheless, Mm -hmm. even a cursory look at the old data reveals that all SOEs don't make losses. Many SOEs, oil, gas, petroleum companies are highly profitable. And those that do make losses do so for very good specific reasons. The bulk of losses are confined to SOEs in two sectors, transportation and power distribution. Now, transportation can hardly be privatized and losses in power distribution reflect the botched up breakup of WAPDA under the advice of World Bank. Badly and possibly corruptly negotiated contracts and the failure to provide genuine independence to regulators. At the enterprise level the main loss makers are the National Highway Authority, Pakistan Railways, and PIA. And after them, the four, um, the sorry, the eight discos that uh, that are featured here in white. <clears throat> Interestingly, Pakistan steel mills, much in the news ranked 10th among top loss-making SOEs. While the losses of Sindh engineering, which were 30% higher than those of steel mills doesn't attract much attention. In short, the problem of SOEs are more complex than the often combative public discourse reflects. Of the 204 SOEs only 11 enterprises, the three transport ones and the eight discos account for over 80% of the losses. The rest suffer from problems of enterprise management, sector policies and the burdens of miscoordination between social, political and economic strategies and policies. Clearly, as I have said before, before there is really no substitute for a close study of each and every enterprise in any serious effort at better governance of SOEs. Since government has found this difficult, it is really up to civil society, and I endorse uh, Nadim's opening remarks here, to expedite the diffusion of the latest lessons of thinking and experience on SOEs, which ad- arrive at IMF also five years later within our community of scholars, concerned citizens and the government. There is an urgent need therefore, to create a network of experts, if not an institution to provide governments, not only in Pakistan, but in the region, state enterprise boards, boards and managements and civil society with an alternative evidence-based locally appropriate framework for thought and action. I look forward to hearing and learning from the distinguished speakers who have been invited to this seminar. Thank you. Thank you, Asab.
0: Thank you very much. These are very interesting opening remarks. I think excellent, very well done ji next shall we go to uh, saleem raza, Salim raza uh,
2: sir ji saleem raza sir madaiyo sir saleem raza sir ka mic enable nahi hai to kindly sir next participant speaker ko enable
0: kar khan sir would you like to go next it is a failure at many levels, as is most things in Pakistan. Most things are failures at many levels. So,
1: tell
3: me. Well, I don't know. Uh, I think uh, my experience uh, that I'm going to share with you is with Miller Tractors, as you know. And uh, I have to go back in history a little bit to state uh, how it all happened because I have the exposure to first private sector, public sector, and then again in the private sector. In uh, the history of Mirnat is that we, it was a privately owned company uh, by Rana Khudadad Khan in the middle sixties. And it was, he bought this out from a, a British company called James Finlay, who were importing tractors into Pakistan. So he took over this company and carried on this business in a, a small manner. They were producing maybe 1,000 tract to the year for the next 10, 12 years, when uh, it got nationalized in 1972. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to speak too much about the time when uh, it was being managed by Rana Khosada's family uh, because it was a very relatively small enterprise it had a paid up capital of 25 million to 2.5 million rupees. Now it's a completely different story. So we got nationalized during the Bhutto regime. And uh, a lot of companies were taken under the government wing as state-owned enterprises, and Millet was one of them. While we were nationalized, the government had uh, essentially given us two or three objectives which we were required to follow. I was a general manager here in one of the state enterprises and was transferred to Miller Tractors, perhaps in 1980 or 82. And uh, the objective was to try and localize as much as possible of the the tractor parts so that the ancillary industry, the small and medium-sized enterprise could develop in Pakistan and that's what we were focusing on. And at the same time, try and uh, bring in farm mechanization. In doing so, uh, um, in Miller tractors, I think uh, it would be appropriate for me to mention General uh, you know, Said Qadir's support to this company and that of Mr. asanullah Khan, who was a bureaucrat and had come into the private sector in the public sector days and he was uh, in charge of uh, miller tractors, and we started uh, the localization of uh, tractor parts, and we were asked to make 75% parts in the next five years. We did reasonably well. We uh, developed a new assembly plant with the capacity of uh, 20,000, which was quite uh, more than uh, quite a large uh, figure bigger than what was being done in the country for tractorization. And I think it was a very important um, introduction into Pakistan because being an agricultural country we had to we had to mechanize and this was the first step towards mechanization. So we started manufacturing and we started assembly and we had the support of our principals, which was Massey Ferguson who, supported us with the government's objective and we were able to we were able to uh, develop uh, 70 75% parts in the next 5 6 years but the important thing is that it was no longer a loss making company it was making phenomenal profits it was very profitable in the public sector and i think um, during this time in, in our in our experience in the public sector was very enlightening. I think we had the opportunity to send our boys abroad for training. We bought in technology. We bought in uh, um, a lot of uh, support from our principals, Massey Ferguson, and uh, we embarked on this road for localization in a very serious manner. And I think that has been one of the major reasons of the success of this company in the, in the public sector. When we had, we had developed these parts, we became a very profitable company. And um, I think uh, government support helped us in doing all that. And um, we were under the control of the Ministry of Production and uh, Ministry of Production was, uh, was giving us a very good support in uh, trying to develop and to achieve our objectives but when we uh, in 1991 the government decided in its own wisdom that the nationalization should be reversed and we should all be all the state enterprises should be privatized but i must say that we we had a very healthy uh, balance sheet as long as we were in the in the public sector and we had uh, a lot of support from the government so there was no interference from the other government departments, which I think was the best benefit that we could derive in the public sector. So in 1991, when the government decided that we should um, denationalize and reprivatize all the companies or as many companies as possible, of which some are still uh, pending as <laughs> that a uh, steel mill and some of the other loss-making units are still still uh, within the government's uh, uh, support and, uh, and gambit. So we, we got denationalized in 1991. And here again, I was supported by, the, by one of our ministers, Said Qadir, who said that we should go in for an employee buyout, which was a new experience in the country. Pakistan, um, there weren't any very many companies that uh, had gone for an employee buyout in, in, from the public sector till then. So we uh, put a consortium together and with the help of the bankers and the support of bankers, we were able to put in a bid which was which was the highest. We were five contestants um, in which uh, the employees were, uh, there were two parties of the employees who were participating, ours being the highest bid, we were handed over to the company after that. But then um, the experiences that we faced being in the private sector immediately after an employee buyout which was a very very difficult position i think we went through a very very difficult time and i think um, uh, we had all sorts of problems we had to contest legal cases the 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 the, the parties who were also the second party from the employees uh, took us to court uh, in which some vested interests were involved and um, we fought the case in the courts and we had to go to the Supreme Court level to be able to win them. And uh, um, the government then handed over the, the shares of the company to us. And we were, we were a group of three more than 350 employees who, were, who had participated in the employee buyout. And we were, able to, we were able to start managing the company, but that wasn't the end of our, our problems. Uh, they, we were again challenged in in agencies by agencies like fia challenged by other government departments and we had a lot of difficulty in trying to sustain ourselves but by the grace of god we were able to do so and we continue to continue to struggle and move on quite successfully uh, so much so that you know we we were uh, even uh, nab had taken us to court and they were investigating our privatization instead of doing that with the government and with the privatization commission they were asking us all sorts of questions even today after 30 years of having been privatized we are still answering questions to nab they are still asking us what and how it was done and we have to bring back papers which were 30 years old dig them out and hand them over to to nab so far we've been able to above water, keep our heads above water, and hopefully we'll be able to do that. But the important thing is that we moved. We moved in the public sector. We had gone up to about 15,000 tractors a year. We have now been able to move on to about 40,000 tractors in a um, cyclical manner. And uh, it has been very successful. And more important than that is that we have been able to develop the ancillary industry which is now the backbone of the auto sector in this country. And we have got more than 350 vending units supplying parts to us. And in value terms, we produce almost 90% to 92% parts of tractors in Pakistan. Now, that I think is, is an achievement which, was, which has come on the back of the public sector. I cannot take the full credit for that. I think it was the public sector that really uh, laid the foundation for it and uh, we were able to we were able to build on that now how, why was this successful i think it was successful because we have a, we had a good management team we had a team which was uh, which was very very uh, cohesive and we were able to we were able to move ahead uh, without any anybody pulling each others legs and pulling us down which was often the case in the public sector but now we have been able to stay together it is the same board that we had 30 years ago, and we are uh, the, the, the private sector members keep changing, but the main members of, the, of Miller Tractors who are, supportive, who, are, um, who are managing the company have remained the same. We have gone from um, um, management uh, functions ourselves, and we have come on the board, and we have professional managers now managing, and this was something that we had learned again from the public sector. In the public sector, when we we sent our boys for training, they came back, and I think we developed the level and skills of management. I think Istikbal Mehdi will bear me out that he was also instrumental in in supporting that to a large extent, and being in the uh, um, institution like, uh, um, I think he he was in charge of, uh, what was it called? Expert advisory cell, a special technical cell. Expert advisory cell. At expert advisory cell, and they were they were in they were supporting us. They were there to support us. But that wasn't the case when we were privatized, and we really had to really struggle hard to be able to uh, to stay afloat. Anyway, so that was that was what it was, and um, I think um, I, I think the experience in the public sector, to me, as a, as an individual and as a company, has been very good. I think it was, it is, it is not these, uh, these, uh, the uh, nationalization that creates a problem, it's the management of the company. Somehow it has been very unfortunate that most of the companies that are, that are even today, as I see them and as has been displayed just now, uh, they, are, they are companies which, which should be profitable. I know transportation, railways, et cetera, are, are a different, uh, uh, but uh, discos and others, they, they can be make, made profitable with proper management, in my opinion. And good government support uh, could certainly be of help. So, uh, I thank you. Uh, I don't know whether I have conveyed what uh, was expected of me, but I think uh, my uh, final analysis is that public sector can be good only if you have the right kind of management. If you do not select people who are, who are coming on merit, they will never function. The private sector f- functions well because it chooses the right people and places the right people at the right spot so that, that you can you can make the, the most of your o- opportunity that there is. So thank you very much again. I'm, I hope uh, it's been interesting, but my life uh, span with Miller tractors has been extremely interesting. It has gone up from private to public to private, and now I'm... Uh, I'm happy that i i i have been I uh, took the decision of joining miller tractor at the time when it was really down down in the dumps. thank you very much thank you mr bal thank you Nadeem, Nadeem thank,
0: thank you, you very Minister, much thank you very much very very. i think a very uh, interesting example of a successful privatization and a successful enterprise so there you go we've got uh, the problem identified by arshid sabkadi um it's not a large problem but it is but it is a large problem. It's a heterogeneous problem, not that every enterprise is loss-making. But nevertheless, the losses of the state-owned enterprises to my account, and Rashid can correct me on this, I think amount to something like 30% of revenues. So we are in the continuous binge of trying to collect revenues while we are losing uh, and the state-owned enterprises. So quite frankly, this is a sieve into which we are pouring our revenues. The sneeps of, uh, why don't you come in and you tell us what is wrong with the management of these enterprises? Everybody agrees that they can be managed well, but yet we make a hash of managing them. Take, for example, the energy companies. I mean, I think they're a management disaster. Uh, why are they a management? Railway. Railway is a management disaster. Why is it a management disaster? Even NHA. NHA has very good
4: assets. It should be able to run its own business but it can't so where is the problem the same sir well thank you uh, Nadeem and thank you Stigbal, for organizing this and uh, uh, <laughs> the two uh, presentations arshad saab and Sikandas, have been uh, very revealing in in the sense that you know sort of they recall a lot of things that one has been uh, practicing i uh, come in uh, like arshad saab is an economist at um, Sikandar is uh, the person who's had experience in one industry. I've had uh, a very multifarious experience in the and a hands-on experience in the public sector, especially in the golden era of the public sector, which was until the 80s. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, uh, and of course Nadim would criticize that, but I was um, uh, a general manager in the Punjab Industrial Development Board at one time managing Rice mills. You know, those those are the times when we were trying to protect uh, things, and the and the Punjab government had set up small rice husking and polishing oh. mills. Then I was managing director of the Pakistan Mineral Development Corporation in the uh, early 80s, and in that capacity, I was looking after coal and, and uh, salt manufacture because I have a degree in geology. So I was, you know, then uh, then I started the Punjab Mineral Development Corporation in Punjab. Uh, the Panjamin, because public sector has been always shy to get into the mineral uh, industry. Then later on, I joined the uh, Ministry of Interior as a deputy secretary. And I, you know, the government sent me for an MBA at, uh, you know, uh, this Howard Business School set up an institute in Tehran. So I went and did, did my MBA there. And then I came back and they sent me uh, to the State Cement Corporation as kind of, you know, vice chairman, director of finance. So there was a kind of Career planning in those days. And um, in my personal experience in public sector organizations, I found that there were no serious uh, issues of massive losses, um, except perhaps in the coal mines, you know, at that time because the technology was low. But for instance, in my capacity as uh, director of finance and the vice chairman of the State Cement Corporation, we were managing all the cement industries of the country there were about i think 19 cement mills and we were taking care of the management uh, of the marketing of the procurement of the financing now obviously what was happening was that that was the model that worked you know all the general managers or mds of those companies were professionals uh within this corporation we had uh, a finance we had you know, sort of general manager of finance who was a chartered accountant from the private sector. So the, the uh, you know, persons, people like me were really overseeing and supervising and not interfering in the operation. As a matter of fact, supporting them with the government, with the regulators, with the tax issues, with the uh, local. So we were like the, the, the troubleshooters for those, uh, and, you know, making, and, and of course monitors at that time. So the public sector, And then, of course, as in in the Ministry of Interior, uh, we were responsible, you know, Ministry of Interior at that time when nationalization took place. We were looking after all the cement industry, all the fertilizer industry, all the chemical industry, all the auto industry. And uh, the expert advisory cell was the consulting arm which did all the analysis, the professional analysis of the results, technical analysis of the results. And that was kind of the thinking arm of the ministry and we took uh, you know where the professional advice was required in taking taking decisions um, the expert advisory cell came to our rescue which kind of thing I don't know whether it really exists in the government anymore or not so um, uh, you know as Sikander says uh, in those days why they were successful then because there was no political interference there was no media um, mischief. There was no, uh, you know, unnecessary exposure of everything. And uh, the government was so sensitive to price hike that I remember um, Kavre Saab, a very respected person, was an additional secretary in the Ministry of Production, and he authorized a one rupee increase in the in a bag of cement. And he was hauled up at the federal level. You know, the the government was very uh, annoyed, and you know. Uh, he had to face a lot of uh, shouting matches. Uh, so that was the kind of control that the government had, and um, the, the the I suppose uh, since it was managed by the private sector or the the individuals, there was no uh, thing about excessive profiteering or excessive black marketing or uh, you know sort of uh, the other issues that are currently there, which are pushing. Uh, uh, Prices uh, higher, but having said that, what Nadim has said that currently, you know, we are on paper losing about seven, eight hundred, nine hundred billion rupees a year on public sectors. Now, if uh, they are of the industries that are inevitably to be done, obviously, public sector uh, nobody wants to privatise education. Nobody wants to privatise educate health. Nobody wants to privatize infrastructure, which is the responsibility of the state. You can't privatize the military. You can't privatize the uh, law enforcement agencies. So those are integral part of the public sector. And I think uh, there is no debate and there should be no debate about privatizing them. But marginal issues like PIA, like steel mill, Like, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, I'm surprised to uh, hear that Sindh Engineering is losing more money than PSM. Uh, But if uh, Sindh Engineering is losing, I don't know what what it is doing with so many private sector auto industries. So therefore, uh, governments have not shown the courage and the will. Uh, For instance, this government, uh, you know, should have been doing what they are trying to do with PSM now, two and a half years later, they're, you know, they're talking seriously about, uh, privatizing it. They should have done that the first day they, they came, but they were at that time pandering up to the uh, thing. So those are the things, I think, which give a bad image to the government. Uh, the um, the discourse, again, as uh, Sikandar said, are something that that is an overall issue of uh, electricity. The, the problem with our uh, with our country is that the problems have become so large like in the in the electricity in the in the power sector you know we are losing again six to seven or eight hundred billion rupees a year and circular debt increasing and you know it's gone up to what 1.8 trillion and i don't see any um, sort of you know light at the end of the tunnel And uh, nobody has any ready answers for that. Those are the worrying things as far as the public sector are concerned. And uh, our government has has, uh, committed too much. No country of our economic value promises a person gas in every village and nook and corner of the country, pipe gas. You know, uh, no country, I suppose a country like ours cannot really afford to provide electricity to. All nook and corners of the country, you know. Uh, I think there has to be some decision, keeping in view your own resources. Now, what has happened is that because we have given that as, an, as a given, as an expectation, uh, governments have really wagered their future on just the power sector. And I, I fear that the power sector is perhaps the one which is going to take the country down. When I read the newspapers and you see the the kind of losses and the kind of debt issues that you have to, now you've reached a stage where you have to uh, mortgage your roads and mortgage your parks, you know, um, there has to be some serious thinking. The MIMF issue is the other one. I, I, I'm, I'm not very sure whether the governments have not denationalized because of the IMF uh, um, uh, you know, the uh, sort of uh, issues. The issue is that the governments have not have, have not been nationalized because um, they don't have the political will. There are, these are really job, uh, uh, some of these, I'm not talking of again, I'm, uh, the, the, the areas that I listed out are something that are different. But the, uh, the other 20% or at least 30% which are making gloss making are the ones with the government should challenge. And I don't think that uh, this, like PIA, I feel that the government should really declare bankruptcy. How is the US economy really surviving with so many ventures and so many, they have a system of declaring bankruptcy at a certain stage and then going restarting again. Here we are trying to fix PIA by bringing in new things. We are trying to fix the railways by unbundling, having tried that in walked out and you know, seen the results. So, um, you know we have to uh, really take some bold decisions as early as possible. Otherwise, the debt trap that we are in uh, is doesn't bode well for the country. Thank you,
3: Dr. Vadim. Kindly unmute yourself, sir.
0: Okay, thank you. Thank you, Rasneem sir. Thank you very much. So there we have it. We have say uh, 200 enterprises can be run well. <clears throat> enterprise is an enterprise. It doesn't matter how you run it well. The question is, why is it run badly? And I think this is the question that we should all come to. So let's take Saleem Raza on this. Saleem Raza sahab, tell we have the banks and we have the but is the bank's service better people people are still suffering? have the, Is the bank profitability dependent on competition? Or is model banks simple? है. 10, 4, 2. Which is basically take, uh, take government deposits at 4, lend at 10 and go for golf at 2. So, I have achieved this? we have a big building bank CEOs, ko, but yet the banking services have really depreciated over our lifetime. Salim Raza, sahab, what's your take on Public sector <coughs> and banking in particular, Ji.
6: There are, given everything that's been discussed, there are two, three things I want to touch upon. Mm-hmm. But let me start with uh, the issue you've raised, privatizing banking. Mm-hmm. We are, unusually, Um, Unusually among emerging markets, private sector dominated uh, in terms of banking ownership, 80%, uh, where we have nothing effectively, nothing is uh, in the area of development finance. You know, when you talk about SOEs, some of the biggest SOEs and the most effective SOEs are financial SOEs in emerging markets, everywhere, you know, China, Korea in its growth stage, Brazil <clears throat> today, uh, all the development different development banks in India. So development banks who work as who have uh, advisory capacity on subjects you know besides lending capacity. So for the SME and for the agri, they they work alongside them and they build their capacity. And then infrastructure finance banks, which allow you to structure projects based on the cash flow of the project, which we cannot do, um, because, because our, our private banks, like private banks everywhere, do what you know comes nationally to them, which is a prime shareholder obligation. They want to stay liquid and they want to stay profitable, so they lend short-term and they lend for working capital. So we have no capacity in this country for project finance, and we have no development finance capacity, for the SME and agriculture. This was not always the case. It was notably not the case in the sixties. We've let some good institutions fade away. I think in the hope that the private sector would do it, not understanding that nowhere in the world does the private sector enter uh, development finance alone. It gets crowded in by after leadership's given uh, by public sector enterprises. Uh, and that infrastructure finance is always done on a PPP basis, public and private participation. We don't have those structures. Mm -hmm. Our our power generation is not PPP. I mean, the government pays the bill. That's why banks finance them, because they're financing a government bond. Today, our position is that uh, of our private banks, something like 65% of their loanable assets are to government, 50% in uh, PIBs and securities, 15% 15% in government-guaranteed lending, be it IPPs, uh, uh, be, it, be it PIA, <clears throat> uh, be it commodity finance. You know, there's about almost 800 billion rupees of commodity finance debt uh, guaranteed by the government. And this is, this is primarily wheat, but it's also what DCP buys, what it has a sugar, et cetera. So, so first of all, we've got this huge void in development finance. And that, I wouldn't blame our private sector banks for that because they were never meant to do it. So when we went in for this vast privatization, we left this this gaping obvious hole of who's going to carry the responsibility for developing those segments where where private sector banks would automatically not take the lead. They'll follow, but they won't take the lead. That's one issue. Uh, And and I think it's a very, very overdue. It's, It's come up many times. We've talked about setting up an infrastructure finance bank. It hasn't happened. Uh, we went very far once in 2010. We thought we had one ready to go, but it sort of faded away, twinkling like a star somewhere in the sky. And then people talk about it now and then, but um, it, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. It doesn't go forward. Now let let me go back to the you know what Mr. Ashur Zaman had said earlier, and some of the comments that we made. And since the subject I was given was financing, um, SOEs, finance, I, I, I the big issue. SOEs are you know can be purely commercial. Or they can have public sector obligations, or they can be a mixture of both. So, purely commercial is obviously that's what it is. You know. So, usually, airlines, uh, uh, mining, energy, telecom, et cetera, in the public sector run as purely commercial entities. Public service obligation entities are things like water supply, some forms of transportation, the postal service, et cetera. And some are both, because, for instance, in power, the government may, may want the smaller consumers finance and something be, that's below the cost of uh, delivery. So, so you've got, you've got a, a mixture of things. Now let's take the, the purely commercial. The way to finance the purely, if you're, if the purely commercial <clears throat> are to be s- sustainable, they have to be financed on market terms. They have to be financed on the same terms as a private sector company in the same field or in a different field, but on terms on which the private sector would get financed. That would mean, <coughs> that would mean that the company has to be able to control its debt equity levels. It has to say that the, this is the debt equity ratio we'll maintain. It has to uh, uh, target and, and try and meet an IRR, that's an internal rate of return. And number three, it has to have complete control over its dividend policy. If it doesn't, the government will extract value. The risk is the government for budgetary reasons will extract value from the PSEs. And we talked about our profitable PSEs, we talked about PSO, we talked about uh, OGDC, uh, there's the national bank as well. There's the state bank. The state bank makes money from, invested from, from all the debt that it sits on, government debt. Now all this is taken out in a, in a budgetary sense. So, so we, and and government as the sole shareholder there's the obligation to build the, to build, uh, the investment uh, or the the investment, uh, you know, build up the capacity of SOEs in time whenever equity is needed, new capital plans, expansion, and the government never does. All these things get taken care of by subsidies or, or by, you know, some form of debt floated off to, you know, foreign shareholders in the form of some sukuk or the other. So, so our, 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 our commercial entities uh, that ought to be able to manage their debt uh, like a private entity cannot because they cannot control the, the, the dividends which are extracted. They, they cannot dictate their debt equity levels. It mustn't get worse than this. And, uh, and they cannot, uh, you know, they're not independently, they're not able to meet IRRs they've established in the sense. Now, what's the, what's the solution and what do you know, these temptations for government to uh, strip out are there everywhere in the world. Uh, OECD has uh, done a lot of work in the last two, three years. I mean, I agree with uh, Mr. Arshad Zaman. I think there's a big return to focusing on governance in SOEs because this love affair with privatization, I'm not saying it's run its course, but um, it's certainly, for the moment, slowing down, and now there's a concern that SOEs are going to be picked. As a gentleman from the IMF uh, who spoke a little earlier said, something like 20% of global asset investment in productive enterprise is in SOEs. And in countries, up to 45% of national output comes out of SOEs. And sectors like, you know, again, mining, energy, telecom are dominated in many countries by SOEs. So, so they're a fact of life, and you're going to have to work with them. And you're going to have to make them going back to finance. You're going to have to make them their finance market sustainable, sustainable on market terms. Cold doors, nose lenders should be able to come and look at them. How how do you, how do you establish uh, what, what's the consensus? So the OECD view has been, and I think the World Bank would support this, uh, is that you your your company has to be able to meet a certain debt rating, a certain credit rate, given by the you know. Global rating agencies uh, so that it can raise debt on competitive terms. The the, the is rating has to be uh, investment grade. Now, then work backwards.
2: We oh, he you know, can't hear you, Salou.
0: I can hear him fine. Uh, I can hear him fine. Oh, oh, huh. Chale, Sorry, wait. is this better? Arshad? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I can hear you fine. I think they check kariya. Aapke wo mein hoga, Arshad, koi. computer mein problem hoga. I can hear him fine. Chali, Arshad, go, ahead. Go, ahead. So, go ahead. So, 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 what they what they are doing in Europe, in many countries in
6: Europe, is establishing that the SOEs will maintain a certain mark market credit rating, so they can raise debt on competitive terms, so that they can perform competitively and sort of genuinely produce revenue for government instead of having it extracted. Before they've even made it, uh, so so it's the bond rating that you then work backwards from for this bond rating. What IRR targets do you need? What debt debt uh, de- uh, equity ratio do you need? And what uh, and what your you what your uh, your company's control boards control on dividends must be. In other words, uh, the level of dividends, uh, dividends recommended by the board should be final. We know. That with government that's not always possible but at least if we had an agreement like that we had benchmarks like a bond rating uh, that would be a start i'm not saying we can work towards it tomorrow we are so we are very far away from it and 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 you know being as far away as we are our past bank is is is, is going to need a lot of changes in the in how government regards soes um, and and financing soes and what it regards them as does it regard them as entities for the future or as uh, you know, albatrosses round the neck that they must dispose of one way or the other. If we can debate privatization of anything, uh, was it necessary? Was it good? Doesn't matter. Here we are. We stand with ownership of certain things. You know, we can we can make them work. They did work once. Uh, anyway, uh, so so that's that's uh, you know the criteria for financing SOEs is, is you have to be able to give them competitive equivalence with market companies. Uh, then. I think associated with this, I've mentioned the lack of development finance institutions. That is something we can fix tomorrow. I mean, I I honestly don't see any reason, I see no reason for continuing navel gazing. A lot of suggestions have been made of how these institutions can be created. A vast number in the past five to six years, in the past 10 years. So uh, let me just leave that aside. We've got to have them. Without them, we cannot go forward. Our banking sector, I've told you for very good reason, will not fill that very, very critical space that is necessary for our development. The third thing I wanted to say is that we've got to think of the management structure for our SOEs. I, I mean the overall, overarching management structure. You know, there's, as you know, there's a spectrum in which, uh, spectrum of ways in which SOEs are managed. They're managed as underlying ministries, they're managed and basically managed in three ways. There are overlaps, uh, and there are uh, exceptions everywhere, but basically three ways. One is under line ministries, the other is dual, uh, the line ministry and the finance ministry or the planning ministry. And the third is centralized. So decentralized, dual control and centralized. Centralized is there's either a coordinating agency that coordinates the needs of all the SOEs with the uh, relevant ministries or uh, what I think is probably the best way there's a holding company. There's a holding company for all the SOEs, that's what China has, um, called SASAC, State Asset Supervision and Administration Committee. And that is what, that is the way a lot of Asia has gone, Thailand, uh, not Thailand um, uh, so much, Malaysia, Indonesia, Singapore, and that's the way a lot of European countries are going. Uh, have a holding company, that holding company board, the, have a holding company and then have boards at the sector level, because there will be three, four, five, six sectors that that your public sector enterprises consist of. Mm. And then there'll be the boards of the individual companies. So you've got three levels of boards uh, and you've got what you get, what you extract from a holding structure is you have synergy, uh, you have transfer of talent, opportunity for development of talent, long-term career planning, and you feed your, your leadership from inside Uh, these entities, you don't fly people in from the government, you know, for six months or nine months or one year to manage them. You can attach people from government as coordinators, but the management has, so what structure do we want? We are presently underlying ministries, sort of underlying ministries, I'm not quite clear that our ministries really have authority over the companies that fall in their remit. But, uh, so so certainly now this Sarmaya that's been talked about, I think is still a twinkle in someone's eye, I and mean, I'm not sure. Uh, I know a committee has been established now to uh, uh, you know, look at taking the idea forward. But uh, you know, I, I, let's see what happens. It's. Uh, but I think uh, my recommendation uh, very strongly is this holding company structure. So these two, three things, revival of development lending, figuring out how we can make our commercial companies financeable on market terms, and uh, number three, uh, what what framework uh, of ownership uh, do we want uh, our SOEs to to um, SOEs to function under? I mean, the three critical functions of the ownership really are uh, appointing the board, setting and monitoring object performance objectives, and voting voting the shares on behalf of the company. Who's going to do it? You know, if you've got line ministries, different line ministries, you've got. Very, very different patterns. Uh, very different ideas. Very, and you can run into each other. You can replicate. You can block each other. Uh, a holding company will clear, will unclutter all that. Uh, and I think it'll have a lot more elegance and effectiveness. Anyway, that's just a thought. One, by the way, one final word. Um, agriculture is, you know, long, dig, uh, long neglected. Dig- we know that, but uh, I, I would. You know, recommend that you look up, uh, if you have 10 minutes, just look up EMBRAPA. Uh, this is Brazil's Agricultural Research Organization, EMBRAPA. It is phenomenal. Brazil is the world's second largest exporting country for agriculture, about 82 billion dollars. They're the world's biggest exporters of soya. Soya is not a tropical crop. Brazil is a tropical country. Soya is a temperate crop. It needs four seasons now how did brazil develop it? intense research this embrapa has two and a half thousand phd's 10000 staff uh, embrapa has 45 centers of excellence centers of excellence each center of excellence is devoted to some aspect of improved crop productivity or livestock productivity or uh, you know or growth um, or, or, or change in you know in the pattern of planting you know from forest to field to you know whatever uh, you know, for, for sort of resurgence of the soil, uh, and this, and then it has eleven uh, centers of <coughs> centers working on on common themes like, uh, for example, uh, you know, better water management, like seed development, like soil development, um, and and that that is primarily responsible that that research organization, you know, which is. Sort of Funded by government, funded by multinationals, by the multilaterals, it has research branches across Africa. It brought Indian cattle, Nilor, I think that the name of the cattle was, to Brazil, and uh, so we experimented with you know uh, strengthening the 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 national um, you know, the the national build of the animal, and is now it's the world's second largest beef exporter. Uh, And the bulk of their product is this Indian cattle. So they've adapted it, improved it, and they do this with a lot of stuff they bring across from Africa. Uh, So we have nothing like that. And then as an agricultural country, I mean, that is the biggest missing hole. We know that. Um, So so I think, you know, development finance, supplemented by research, all these things that that I've mentioned, I think, uh, you know, time to discuss, think about, you know, but but decide on. Uh, otherwise, you know, we're going to continue to go around in circles as we have been doing in the PSE. Uh, I haven't even I haven't used the word privatization. I'm just talking about organization. Uh, and We can decide whether we want to privatize some of these or do what. But you know, fix your fix how you're going to manage them and decide what you want out of them first. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Salim saab Thank you very much. Ji is Mehdi Medisa, pull it together. जो मुझे नजर आ रहा है जो मैं नोट्स लेता रहूं मुझे तो लग रहा है कि ये सबसे बड़ा एक मैनेजमेंट का है और इस कंट्री में इस मुल्क में हम कुछ भी मैनेज नहीं कर सकते ये भी एक अजीब चीज है जो मैं पैनल के सामने रखना चाहता हूं कि बड़ी अजीब चीज है हमारी कंट्री एक वाहिद कंट्री जहां सबसे बड़े स्टॉक मार्केट Privatized or PSO, we are the largest organization in the country. But I want you to focus on this. Sorry, but I you are the architect, up, pull it together. Aur ye bathe, management issue is: how do you do it? The public sector enterprises the boards. Board board boards and I saare boards pe private aur public ye bhi sunne wali baat hai salim saab tasneem saab humne boards ka analysis kiya boards pe sirf karachi Lahore, islamabad mainly karachi karachi ke sindh club ke members boards pe hain ya thode bureaucrats hain ya thodi generals society ke bande boards pe koi nahi hai lahor mein punjab club ke members hain to boards the very small club to hum boards ko trust kar sakte hain salim saab ka itna sarmaya banaye to boards mein the wahi members aayenge jo clubs and club punjab club members hain is there nobody else in the world, in the country? Thank you so much, Sadeem. Uh, what a pleasure it
1: is today, uh, listening to all the uh, great uh, scholar experts and uh, uh, professionals. Uh, uh, one of the unique um, uh, thing uh, what I'm hearing today is, uh, is nothing, uh, public sector is not being condemned. Typically, when you go to anywhere in Pakistan and you talk about public and private sector, the first thing you hear is about the condemning what what a what a uh, curse public sector ha- has been. And I wanted to basically, Nadim, I wanted to give a very quick brief about um, one of the success stories is uh, uh, we in Pakistan we have had. And your, um, I this addresses to the question and issue you have just raised. What is wrong with our, uh, our management? Why don't we have a uh, successful management here in Pakistan? Um, I shall start um, uh, my state enterprises uh, experience in Pakistan. Uh, in the 50s and 60s, public enterprises in Pakistan was reasonably doing well. And uh, in fact, to the extent that I, I confess that uh, in some of the, uh, the places where I went for, you know, consultancy and advisors in many other countries, I used to take Pakistan as a model. Um, and I used to, present Pakistan's state enterprises as a model. Well, of course, those are the different days. Anyway, let me, let me talk about it. That, um, Public enterprises uh, were doing reasonably well till we had this uh, nationalization of early 1970s which added the public, more public enterprises. And the result was that we had uh, uh, 29 manufacturing enterprises uh, uh, already which were called the PIDC uh, public enterprises added uh, adding to them was another 33 nationalized units, making them 62. The problem was that the nationalization did take place, but nobody had thought how, how it is going to be managed. The result was that 62 public enterprises, Pakistan never had an experience of managing 62 public large public enterprises as, and uh, this kind of conglomerate was somehow oh, had to, would be managed and to manage that the government typically a, a, you know set up number of uh, committees commissions and all of them and all of them had everyone except the professionals uh, who knew about public sector enterprises the specific issues and the problems of public enterprises and the result was that uh, uh, the whole of 1970s up to early 1980s, we have had some of the worst management of public sector enterprises. The country which had experience of, you know, fairly good experience of uh, enterprises like Wabda and, you know, um, many other institutions in the financial sector, suddenly had uh, these heavy loss loss incurring public sector enterprises, till, In early 1980s, we have had uh, an experience uh, of uh, uh, setting up, um, uh, what is it called, uh, the expert advice cell by the Ministry of Production. And I can tell you one thing, it was not really a very well thought out uh, 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 setup in the beginning. It was just considered that there should be uh, there should be no board of industrial management, which was uh, managing uh, the earlier public sector enterprises, that board of industrial management should be winded up and it should be replaced by an independent agency a called Expert Advice Cell to advise the the administrative ministry called Ministry of Production. The the experience of uh, the Expert Advice Cell was, uh, was relatively unique. It was an advisory board full of professionals advising the ministry of production to how to uh, control the enterprises. And uh, who would know better than Taseem uh, Nurani uh, sitting there, who uh, they are, um, we were uh, really uh, starting a new game uh, uh, of uh, managing enterprises by the ministries, but with the advice of the professionals, and for a change, uh, one of the unique experience where the professionals were advised was really taken. Not necessarily the advice that professionals were, were all that good and a uh, thing, but it was just basically a good discussion and interaction between the public sector uh, uh, enterprises management and. the the bureaucrats uh, in the Ministry of Production. And it was one of the unique experience of uh, success. How how did it take place? And if I can tell you how we started that, it was basically uh, uh, a, a program of reforming state enterprises was launched. And the first thing we, we addressed uh, was uh, this um, was the setting up of the autonomy structure and the autonomy structure for a change was not uh, just uh, allowing the managers to do just um, uh, what they wanted to do, but based on uh, some well thought out uh, scheme which we had actually borrowed from, from the two very well known um, uh, scholars uh, from uh, uh, from the us they had prepared uh, they had advised and uh, uh, suggested uh, uh, autonomy structure for the uh, uh, for the large um, private sector enterprises and those uh, the basically this autonomy structure had identified that the owner should do only six things set objectives evaluate performance according to those objectives reward and penalize chief executive appoint the chief executive officer provide resources conduct long-range planning and coordination and the seventh most important do nothing else and this was probably the most important thing do nothing else not that we completely followed this but we somehow Took the spirit of this kind of recommendation, and the result was that uh, there were the uh, there were seventy five industrial enterprises under the Ministry of Production at that time, who were being managed through a holding eight holding corporations, and those old eight holding corporations were managing um, uh, the, these uh, seventy five industrial inter, uh, industrial. Uh, enterprises under the control of the board of directors who were relatively speaking really autonomous and following the adopting and using the autonomy of in the real sense. What exactly did we do? We adopted the autonomy structure. We followed um, the Adopted another enterprise uh, system called the signaling system for state-owned enterprises, and if I can mention one thing, that this has been generally the experience all over the the world. That uh, the let me let me shift to um, where yes that's right. This is the international experience that uh, the performance evaluation has been relatively, relatively weak in the public sector enterprise. Why? Basically two reasons. One is generally known that they have multiple objectives. They have commercial as well as non-commercial. But another one is the plural principles, different organs in the government have different perceptions about the goals of the enterprise. The Ministry of Labor will look at the, or look after the interest of the labor or the manpower. The Ministry of Commerce will look after the interest of of the trading side of the enterprise and, you know, uh, various other areas. So every element of the government organ had a different perception about the objective of that enterprise. It was this kind of combination of the two various kind of, 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 of uh, objectives, which each one of them thought the pu- public enterprise should be doing. And the result was obviously that uh, the enterprise manager could not identify the exact objective. What is it he he's supposed to do? Is he supposed to to set up uh, 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 um, the enterprise, uh, uh, the well-managed enterprise, or is he supposed to construct a road, which he is getting an indication from the government to set up a go- road or provide education to to the uh, you know the area where the, the uh, enterprise is located? The result was that there was a confusion, complete confusion of. Uh, of, of the multiplicity of, of objectives. How do we do that? We have had set up a very unique uh, experience of uh, what is it called the signaling system of public enterprises, which revolved around the performance evaluation, performance evaluation of the manager. What? How do we do that? How do we do that is first of all, exactly identify what is the key performance indicator they should adopt. And it was, it took us about two to three years working on the various, some of the most complex uh, 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 these criteria, which we had developed to find out what exactly, and to work on the development of those those, uh, criteria how do do we uh, identify what is it the enterprise should be doing and what is it which they should be uh, 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 performing and how those performance should be assessed. That is another element which had to be worked out. The result was that uh, uh, We came out, we developed this three years uh, work on the, what is it called? Public profit and the private profit and public profit. We had worked out, you know, working to identify what is it which we can get out of an enterprise, which means what is it, It the box which we have, the black box and what is it we can get out of that. The result is, that we were able to identify at the end of the day that if there is any one criteria which really is able to identify what enterprise should be doing is profit. Profit, okay, but assessing it in the correct manner. There are areas which are are not supposed to be assessed. They are not supposed to be done by the enterprise but there are other areas which the, the manager does it for, uh, uh, the, um, for the enterprise, but it is not assessed at the time of evaluation. So the result was that we had to work out a simple way of, of uh, assessing the evaluation of the, what, and I would like to show uh, a performance contract, which we had adopted. Profitability? Yes, certainly is we should be, it was profit divided by total assets. one profitability. But in that, the profit should be assessed correctly. I'm not going to go into the detail, but that should be. The subsequent um, uh, partial indicators will indicate why this becomes a relevant uh, criteria of evaluation. Physical production, why, fine, fine. At once we have established the profitability as the primary criteria, the important thing is that it should be assessed by the real prof- productivity. How do we do that? That is by the way we, we identified four major uh cost which an enterprise a manufacturing enterprise is uh, incurs. One is he buys the raw material. Second, he expends you know the the uh electricity which he incurs uh, you know the cost of electricity which he incurs, gas, furnace oil, labor cost financial expense. So if you are stating that target of the profitability, which is also linked with these real costs, because here we are assessing the real cost, not in terms of financial cost, but in terms of the real cost, which means the value, value of those costs, the labor cost how much you are paying to the labor, to the financial expenses, how much you are paying for the borrowing, which you have you have, uh, have borrowed, and what kind of cost you, you have uh, to pay for that. And electricity, not in terms of what has been the price of electricity, let's say, which was uh, the, uh, X last year, And this year it is X minus one, which means that it is a cheaper electricity. And then I'm showing a good profitability. No, I have to show exactly at the same price where I had assessed and had set up the target for those enterprise electricity consumption. So the result was that we have been able to evaluate the performance of the enterprise by way of assessing, uh, comparing it with the target. Now, when I say comparing it with the target, that is where the greatest issue which came. How do you set the right targets? And that is a very, very difficult task. And who would know better than Sikanda, uh, uh, that uh, sometime the expert advice sell people sat down with the team of uh, Sikhanda, and Sikanda being a tough managing director, we we sometimes spent the whole day coming out, uh, coming to to some point and some agreement. And finally, we always came to this agreement of of, uh, assessing, um, uh, reaching a certain target. um, uh, um. Now, target setting is one of the most critical element in the performance evaluation. Generally, when you go to an enterprise or you, um, or you go to any public sector enterprise, they will set up a target where which is a letter from, from the ministry that you are supposed to attain this and this and this. In case of expert advice cell, the managing director was invited the managing di- before the managing directors team was invited, they had sent uh, on a certain budgetary proposals which the, the unique thing about those budgetary proposals was that the cost and the value and, or the cost and the price was always had, there was a breakup of that. So we could always see what is exactly, the the total cost in the real in the real term not in terms of the prices of last year and this year and showing the profit but just because the prices the profit has the prices have declined or prices have gone up the result was that we were able to come out and compare the profit uh, what should be the profit at the end of the year. Now, the problem which is always there that at the beginning of the year, you always set up a target, but during the course of the year, things change. Things change and there is what assumption you have established or assumed at the time of of, uh, the, the setting of the target things have by that time changed so for to to address that issue we had set up a very uh, i must say relatively uh, at that time uh, relatively efficient mis system the mis it was one of the first few uh, enterprise um, uh, uh, the ministry where uh, uh, mis was established um, uh, and uh, our advisors, who are uh, who had developed that MIS for us uh, in the expert advice cell. Only today I was seeing they are one of the leading um, uh, um, uh, software uh, uh, firm. Uh, I can mention the name. It is uh, uh, Systems Limited, uh, who uh, um, who had done this job for us, and we were able to. So the objective was that. Um, the MRES was an early warning system provided us that if their assumption was wrong, then we could always go to the ministry, could, we could always go to the relevant people and indicate that look, the assumption on which a budget was formed or the budget was made, now this has to change. And I can give you an example. There was, there was a uh, the uh, fertilizer factory, not very far from here in Azara, called Park China Fertilizer Factory, and uh, its capacity at that time it was a small uh, urea fertilizer uh, factory, and uh, it used to produce ninety thousand uh, tons uh, as, uh, every year. And we said, okay, hundred percent capacity utilization, it has to be that is the target, but during the course of the year there was, uh, the government decided that no, the gas, which is being provided to to the um, uh, past China should be used uh, somewhere else. Uh, maybe for the domestic purpose in somewhere in Pindi or Islamabad. And so instead of uh, the gas for 90,000 uh, tons, uh, the gas was provided only for let's say 70,000 tons. Now that assumption, that change, that assumption was changed. And it must be taken for granted. If we do not take it for granted, and but then otherwise at the end of the day, we, will, we would, would have said that no, you did not produce 90,000, you produced, let's say 70,000. So the result is that your performance has not been as good, but you have to take all those elements into consideration. And because it was taken into consideration, Not once, not once, not a single uh, chief executive ever challenged the evaluation which was done by the expert advisor. And this was one of the things. I would also like to point out that when we were setting up the target um, at the beginning of the year, we never set up the target just for one one target. We set up for, for five various uh, level of performance, which means at the at A grade unit will get three bonus, B grade unit will get two months bonus, C one month, D fifteen days, E nothing. The result was that not only the, the, the performance was being evaluated. It was being evaluated without any, any challenge ever, not that I experienced. And also that that had created some kind of a competition among the various, various units. Simply gaining the, the a certain grade itself was a matter of honor for for, for, the, for the chief executive, it was, of course, the, the pecuniary benefit which you get in terms of three bonus or two months, that also, it matters a lot. The, but, but for the chief executive to get the bonus of three months and A grade was a matter of, you know, an honor. And we are, we are, we are talking to one of the chief executives who always got A grade and he is in the present company today. So, so this is, this is the, the, another element which, uh, which uh, uh, was um, uh, taken into account. The last thing I would talk about, we kept looking into, into the, the problems and the issues with our management, which we, with our, our work which we were doing. In the system I'm just talking about, we had to identify ourselves that there is one problem. This system is evaluating performance on the annual basis. When it is evaluating the annual basis, the managing director or the manager is always looking at the horizon is only one year. It had to be expanded. Because if he does not, if he does not, not, of course, we are not talking about one of the finest chief executive who is sitting here. Mm-hmm. But we are talking about some of the, some of the uh, the chief executives, let's say in fertilizer or uh, in other uh, um, uh, uh, cement uh, unit where the there was, a, there was some kind of, uh, you know, uh, a, not, uh, you know, incentive to produce and make profit for the year, not necessarily caring what is it going to be like three years from now or four years from now. So we had to think, We so what we were doing was that we were evaluating the uh, uh, enterprise or encouraging the enterprise to be a good performer, but only for one year. So to address that issue, we thought of setting of a corporate planning system, we adopted this this uh, uh, this um, uh, system uh, by taking uh, it from Arthur D Little, and the result was that uh, we uh, got uh, the Arthur D Little model, and uh, who uh, helped us in developing corporate plans for five years. So. Those five years, so every manager, the system and the, 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 the model was such that that plan, we were only leading them to develop that plan. The plan itself was actually owned by the managers themselves. It was them who were feeding us and it is based on their information, it is based on their information that we developed those corporate plans, which became the basis of the budget, the annual budget for the enterprise, and which later on also became the basis for the uh, for the target setting of the expert advice itself. So in turn, what we are uh, saying is that now the manager was not only looking at what he is going to do during the course of the year. But he was also looking at what he is going to do for the coming years in the in future. And in our system, we, we modified the system in such a way that we, can, we should not only give them the credit not only of maximizing the profit, but also how much did he spent on the R and D, the research, how did he? How much did he did the thing in terms of uh, of uh, a plan for uh, for the for learning what is happening in other countries of the world and the new technology, and they adopt and they prepared a plan to adopt uh, those technologies, and so so that means there, there, there was a there was a, there was the uh, the program which we had had developed to, first of all, to improve performance, which improved for during the course of the year in a static situation, but we also took care of the issues in the dynamic situation. So this is, in general, I can tell you that what we did for the, in the expert advice cell in those, 10, 15 years, the results of the efforts made by the professionals in the expert advice cell gave results within three to four years. And I can tell you that um, uh, this, is, this has been in, said not only by me, not only by the managers uh, of the uh, expert advice cell, but uh, number of um, uh, the professionals in the World Bank and in the other multilateral agencies, they took it as, as a as a case study, and they evaluated it. And I can tell you that um, uh, Mary Shelley, in her uh, uh, report on um, uh, the report, I think it was called uh, um, "Performance Evaluation of State Enterprises in Pakistan." In that, she w- uh, worked out that uh, in three years' time, the profit of the 39 enterprises which were covered under uh, the uh, signaling system or the system which was uh, uh, d- uh, developed uh, under the, in the expert advice cell, doubled the profit which, was, uh, 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 which it was at the time of the beginning of the whole process. And the result was that uh, not only that uh, expert advice cell, was generally became fairly acceptable. And then also, I must say a, a favorite of certain government agencies and the government other ministries um, that uh, the, uh, our scope in the beginning was only for uh, setting up target and monitoring and evaluating only to the manufacturing sector. But one day I got a call from Mr. Vaseen Jafri uh, from the Ministry of Finance. And, and he said, Mehdi, it's time that you expand the horizon of the expired cell dry cell uh, from manufacturing to non-manufacturing. And we were uh, asked to evaluate and bring the, um, the other non-manufacturing enterprises also into uh, the purview of cell and some of the, the enterprises of them where we were talking about railway, NHA and others. Uh, unfortunately, this uh, was initially the, this work was done for two years. But uh, by the time um, this thing uh, uh, was uh, started, it was prepared, was ready to go into operation. Then the process of privatization started. And then this thing went into uh, into some kind of background. So this is what I wanted to uh, give Nadeem, um, uh, the uh, that uh, there are also certain success stories, unfortunately. Um, what happened was, is something I must add, uh, that is that uh, the expert advice cell, which was taken a, as a model by a number of countries um, I can mention two or three where I myself went and um, uh, established the, the system that was in Mexico and Philippines mm. and by the way next door next door um, uh, uh, I, um, it was adopted except that they never called it uh, this we used to call uh, the system the signaling system. they call it MOU system but it was, and at the time of um, launching uh, these systems in the, um, uh, over there, uh, I was personally invited to, to help them in setting up some of, the, some of the problems and some of the issues which they had faced. So this was uh, my, my small little uh, contribution to, to introduce uh, what we had done in the past uh, uh, and uh, I would suggest that uh, what Al Zaman has uh, just talked about—that uh, 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 there should be—we should um, uh, set up uh, some kind of uh, a network or some kind of institutional arrangement, whereby not only the experience of uh, of of, uh, the, of Pakistan, but of the other countries may also be taken up, and, um, and then uh, we, because we have had a fairly good experience, uh, as I mentioned, that we had the experience of good performance, relative, reasonably good performance in uh, 50s and 60s, a fairly good performance in 70s, um, in 80s and 90s, and obviously now we are in a difficult situation, and it's a very ironical situation that we, the country which was a model uh, at one time, I can tell you without mentioning my word, the the country which was taken as a model in in number of countries is uh, to to address the issues and improve the performance of their corporate bodies. Is today we need some kind of assistance uh, for uh, to address the uh, losses of our public sector enterprises. So with that, I would like to thank you for- uh, Thank you, very thank
0: much. you, Jinnab. Uh, Mehdi, sahab, thank you very much. Very kind of you. Ab panel ke paas, chata, we are about to end. But nevertheless, let me take, take up a few questions. Salim sahab, dhra, bata ye you were in Citibank for a long time, and Citibank was in Pakistan. I think now it's kind of left, although it's still there. But uh, McDonald's bhi Pakistan mein hai, aur, both are enterprises Pakistan. What I find surprising is that there is no headquarters manage headquarters. Yes, but he came for a different reason. I don't think he came to manage Citibank. He came for other reasons. But nevertheless, I don't see any real John Reed or or Decentralized management Decentralized management is very difficult. McDonald's is very difficult. I'm going to go to Pepsi. But yet, the system is very difficult. Why is it that we can't establish a management system? Why is it that we can't establish a management system? What is it that it that we can't establish a ministry? What is it that the ministry is going to be in the same way? And I think that I have a lot of but my only disagreement with the ministry is that central planning is going to be central. How can we have decentralized management with the world seem to follow and grow very well? because all these uh, multinationals are in every country in the world and growing very rapidly in every country in the world. Google Kulele, Facebook Kulele, whatever, whatever. So please, Salim sir, what is your take on this? Why can't we establish a management system? Is it the old boys club or is it something else? <coughs> uh,
6: you know, you have to have the courage to delegate. in in these type of organizations that you're talking about, you built your own goals as a country. You got them signed off at the highest level necessary. Now you were delegated all the expense. It might have been, you know, a few hundred million dollars. It might have been a few tens of millions of dollars. And you were delegated all the uh, uh, signing power, you know, all the credit lending power. That you needed to achieve those goals. Now, sometimes you broke your neck, and there'd be accidents. By and large, you took this as uh, you treated this delegation as a sense of ownership, and you worked as if you are working for your own company. Uh, and, and but but then the institution has to have has to have belief that they have trained you well, that they have promoted you rightly, that your promotion was based on merit, that you that you're, you are the best guy for the job that you've been given the experience not only in that country you've had a chance to work in other countries uh, and you've had a chance to work in other disciplines within the, in the within the organization now this this is a leap of faith based on training and based on uh, on, on evaluation merit it, you know that's really what you need are we prepared to look at our public sector heads in the same way you know They'll need. they need a, a lot. You know, I don't know what they'll need to convince. You know, a ministry or whatever format they function under. I don't know how, what they'll need to do to convince them to let them spend more, to let them sign bigger deals, bigger transactions. To you know, will they be able to persuade? Uh, you know, their their uh, up the lines that they need to merge with another company, that they need to acquire another company. Now, if you don't have the freedom to do that, if you don't have the courage to do that, because <clears throat> it's because that whole initiative is not meant to be part of your ambition, you know, then you're not going to get uh, what you've described, which is little satellites functioning on their own, which is what you need.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Sneap Sir, you tell me, what is the reason that I notice, and I think all of us notice, that most of the public sector enterprise CEOs are sitting in Islamabad almost every week for two or three days with ministries, with the, uh, meetings with the ministries. When do they do their work? I often ask them, yeah? Doesn't this interfere? With Actually,
4: that? Yes. Um, I think, you know, this is uh, the worst time to be talking about managing public sector because we've reached a stage in the governance level where uh, managing anything in the, in the state has become difficult. And that is primarily because uh, there is so much fear of accountability, financial accountability of NAB, uh, that nobody, in his right senses, is willing to take any decision, especially which requires financial uh, decision making, financial outlays, some you know, and public sector enterprises. Uh, by their definition, especially the commercial ones, even the non-commercial ones, require financial decision-making. If you have to take a decision every time to the ECC, and the ECC then has to take it to the cabinet, uh, this is, unfortunately, we have regressed rather than progressed. You know, what uh, Madhi was uh, describing was a detailed system, how the 75 industries were managed, at the ministry level. And there was no interference from anybody. The Ministry of Finance came in only through its additional secretary joint secretary who was at the Board of Directors. Uh, so therefore I think we are at a very wrong time in trying to do anything in the public sector or trying to improve the public sector. Because uh, even entities, which are the uh, essential entities like education and health are suffering, I mean, you know, I can tell you about two months back, a a provincial health secretary told me that, you know, there was a file for the procurement of some equipment for a hospital, let's say for about about 30 crores or 40 crores. And the, the secretaries were preferring to get transferred or wait for their turn to get transferred out rather than sign on that 30, 40 crore rupees project because they were quite sure that they would be called by NAB, if not now, maybe six months, a year later. And so therefore, you know, that unfortunately uh, is a price we are paying uh, unintentionally for having gone into this anti-corruption thing and okay. making that as our first priority that we have actually lost money like this broadsheet case. You know, we've actually, hmm. you know, rather than recovering money, we've lost money on the balance sheet. Right. But at the same time, the worst uh, result has been that we have uh, brought the government to a a standstill. So therefore, the chief executives sitting in Islamabad and those ministry officials with whom they are sitting are sitting with the ECC members and the ministers, uh, and the ministers are sitting in the ECC. Everybody is passing the buck up. And, uh, you know, unless the, the system finds a solution to this, uh, unless it instills back the confidence uh, in the decision makers. The decision that we used to make as a deputy secretary or as a deputy commissioner, as a deputy commissioner, those decisions are being made at the chief secretary or maybe even the chief minister level. And, uh, you know, as a uh, as a deputy secretary, are probably being made at the minister level. That is the deterioration that we have come to. Okay. So I think we are talking of a much bigger issue than just uh, following proper managerial man- methods and, you know, following, uh, you know, incorporating a board of management or incorporating a, a mm-hmm. sarmaya company and a holding company. Uh, to me, those are just marginal things, uh, these, uh, you know, for the present. Okay. Thank, thank you. Thank you.
0: Uh, sir may, sir- I, may I
3: just come in? May I just come in? I would like to add to what Sudeem has just said, if you don't mind. Is it all right?
0: Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Absolutely.
3: You see, I I don't think we ever went to the ministries and the government for uh, three days in a week and sat there and talked to them. We took our own decisions. We decided what you had to do and we had to face the consequences. And I think that is what management is all about. We don't have to go and ask the government if we are in the public sector as what to do. And that is what is happening. If we don't, Stop doing that. Take your decisions and save the consequences yourself. So you don't have to rely on bureaucrats or anybody else for all that. So that's my my answer to your question.
0: Very good. Uh, Sikharthi I was coming to you anyways. Many, You grew from 15,000 in 1991 to 40,000 today. And uh, when I do the calculation, it comes out to 3% annual growth. Now, is that... Uh, Comfortable? Uh, do you or should you have grown faster? I mean, is Doran may, I mean, for example, Tesla has gone to a trillion dollar company, which is a, al, almost in your area. And uh, there are other companies that have gone, I mean, even agriculture, some company that's related, Caterpillar, for example, which is kind of related to you, has gone grown by huge amounts. So why is it that your growth rate has been so low?
3: I don't think that figure is correct. Okay. when we when we were we were privatized when we were in the public sector mm-hmm. uh, from that day to today we have gone many folds. we have gone from uh, i don't i can't remember what it was uh, public sector at that time but today we are paid up capital is almost 5 billion rupees which was not there the case in, at that time mm-hmm. and the profits have gone up many folds it was it was maybe 2 3 to 1 or 2 billion at that time in the public sector it has gone up to 5 billion now mm-hmm. so you know we've gone up many times the of volumes of sales has gone up from uh, maybe 15000 a year has go, had went up to 40000 it comes down it goes up and goes back to 40000 mm-hmm. so you know there is a major difference between uh, private sector to public sector and again to private sector mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i think The the company company has made tremendous progress during this time. Mm -hmm. So I I can't quote the figures right now. I don't have them in front of me, so I don't want to do that. But the point Mm -hmm. is that the paid-up capital at the time of uh, being nationalized was 2.5 million. Mm -hmm. Today it's almost 5 billion. Mm -hmm. So you know there is there is no comparison between then and now. So you know as a company we've done all right. We've done well. Volume wise. From ten uh, 10,000, it has gone up to 40,000. And the most important thing is that we have indigenized, we've localized, we have set up a lot of ancillary industry, which is now really the backbone of the uh, automotive sector. We have 350 vending units supplying parts to us, and they are making billions of rupees in this. So I think that in itself is a great contribution. Right?
0: Mm-hmm. We should do a study on this. Chief and America. also,
4: Nadeem, on this on this particular thing, just, just to add to what uh, Sikandar is saying, that uh, all auto industry in this country, auto manufacturing is basically limited by the local demand. Uh, they are not into a position for, uh, they have not really the level for exports. Billet tractors could export, but I think uh, probably uh, Sikandar would uh, correct me, but they had an issue with, the, with their franchise holders, you know. That they were not allowed to export. Otherwise, the only way they could expand from fifteen thousand to 200,000 was the, the local demand. They're meeting them, and Fiat are meeting. I think ninety percent of the local demand in the country. In any case, so the export is only possible if uh, either they are not impeded by uh, the uh, the, um, the sort of franchise uh, holder or the franchiser, or they uh, and uh, you know they have the right kind of uh, approach and the right kind of market to really capture the international market.
3: You see, to come in again, we have exported almost 2,000 tractors this year up till now, and we hope to export another 1,000 tractors by the end of the year, and our principles have allowed us to do that in Africa. We have selected markets to do that. Of course, it's not completely open for us, but we are now in the phase where we have finished the indigenization process. We are now going into the export process, and I think we are going to do that in this year and in the next year and i'm the team is very right we are now pushing in that direction because that's what is required
0: yes, yes. thank you sahab, i can't let you get away with just pinning down neoliberalism <coughs> i'm sure you know that your fundamental proposition in economics that it really doesn't matter whether it's a command economy or a uh, neoliberal economy, as you say, free market economy, provided you run things properly, right? And uh, based on price signals or whatever. Now the question is, we have realized that the, our management system is so deformed. The team sabi agree karte hain, apna sabi agree karte hain, sab agree karte Our management system is so deformed that we do anything. So, tell me, in this milieu. Am I okay in recommending a neoliberal, neoliberal solution and saying, yaar, forget the government, they are, they are the pain. You could, this is what we are doing in the PID. So I'd like your wisdom on that.
2: I don't know if I have much wisdom to offer, but let me make a, a few yeah. points. Mm-hmm. First of all, uh, the neo, neoliberal system, tha, mm-hmm. wo, uh, unfortunately, jo land se, IMF was very diluted. Basically, neoliberals assumed hmm. English common law tradition which centuries were made for individual rights safeguarded. And their case was that government expansion impedes on the right of the average Englishman to make a profit in enterprise. The, and this will come to the next point also. Ye hai ke we never look at our own problems. We are perennially looking at Singapore or Timbuktu for a model to imitate. And what model carryover karta hai wo jo infrastructure of governance? Hai. Laws, legislature, a responsible executive, an independent judiciary. None of that exists. And that is what effects, management as well. Because when property rights are not uh, established, what <laughs> you I remember early when I came here, so in the Ministry of Finance, the feeling was exter- I came from uh, the World Bank. I thought external reserves not It's very interesting. In America and England, the organization that is called Treasury is called finance. Because in, in sovereign countries, you seek to collect treasure. Yeah. In colonial countries, you do not want the intermediary who is siphoning revenues mm. towards the center to have any reserves. The job of the ministry of finance is to borrow. Mm. Now, <clears throat> in this situation, management jo hai, The Mm. law system is a weapon in the hands of the powerful. Mm. Mm. you can't rely on the Supreme Court to look after you either. Mm. Mm. So that basic social and political foundation is not there. And that needs to be taken care of Mm. before you transplant plant. Mm. Mm. Management question that you raised earlier take a slightly different view from what Saneem and Tasneem and and the others have taken. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether I'm right or wrong. I'm intimidated by Mm -hmm. the number of years. I think there are two centuries of experience here, Mm -hmm. (laughs) between the four experts gathered here. But in my way of thinking, I make a distinction between leadership, management, and administration. Towards unified goals hamare mm-hmm. unified goals hi nahi hai abhi bhi ye jhagda hai modernity
0: mm-hmm.
2: management mein, managers manage processes mm-hmm. administrator manage tasks the tragedy of pakistan is ke leaders to khatam ho ali bakhali ki assassination ke administrators took over management or this pantomime in the foothills of Margala, which we are supposed to regard as government is not government at all. हम, हम जब, when I imagine that the equivalent of Queen Elizabeth is Dr. Alvi and you go down the line. So, mm. Total pantomime. Mm. <laughs> so the problems of enterprise management come from the larger context of the system of laws and governance. Infrastructure of governance, you oh. uh-huh. so, assume that in America or in England. you best practices. But to move from the negative to the positive, I think what we need is a very realistic appraisal. गला की पहाड़ियों के नीचे mm-hmm. इसको हमारी है बेवकूफी होगी अगर हम इसे हुकूमत समझे ठीक है गवर्नमेंट कुछ लोग हैं जो मास्क पहन के एक दूसरे की नकलें उतार इनसे कहना कि आप इंडिपेंडेंट एक्शन लें आप ये कर दें आप वो कर दें that doesn't work. So now what do we need to do? We need to realise, um, to digress, के में Bhutto sahab movement रहे in the last days, the छोटे leader of the opposition थे। तो मुल्क की उन्होंने तब्बसरा किया था, जो जो शेर so, शेर, शेर था बर्बाद गुलिस्ता करने को बस एक काफी था। है क्या होगा। yes. so, we have to realize that this pantomime that we call government will not deliver the question is and this is why in my presentation, I concluded by saying forget about giving uh, policy advice to a government that is uh, paralyzed. I policy catatonia. No. You can't ask a catatonic person Ki, bhai, ho jao, or, why give him that even though it may be the more sensible thing. I suspect that the that the time is certainly running out. The ship is sinking. And if we are To make it in time, perhaps a group of experienced people like Sikander and Tasneem and led by Istakbal, who is probably the world's greatest living authority on public enterprises in Pakistan, Mm -hmm. should Mm -hmm. take up a small problem. Mm -hmm. But if we take up a small problem of state enterprise and under this one-man storm that is Nadeem haq Mm -hmm. थेहल मजा दिया है। अगर आप दोनों हजरत शरीक हो जाएं और आज दो-तीन, चार-पांच प्रोपोजल्स बहुत मुफीदा हैं। इनको लेके आप आगे बढ़ें। जिस यानी हस्बैंड इस्ततात जो हमारी इस्ततात है, सलीम ने कहा कि को रिवाइव करना चाहिए। Let us see how this can be marketed। मस्तीम बता रहे थे कि भाई Hmm. But I mean, let us pick up small things, Hmm. see if we can Hmm. build Hmm. on low ground but firm. Hmm. 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 Whether the water rises above our heads before we get anywhere. Okay. Achha, Salim, sir, let me turn to
0: you very quickly. I mean, am I not right that DFCs failed in Pakistan? Am I not right that they were virtually all insolvent and that they had been taken for a ride by the rent seekers? Are we is it are we capable of setting up good DFCs in this management system where nothing can be delegated, nothing can be handled? And second no. second part we map sa why, is, why do people not make more use of the stock market? Why is debt market so uh, important? After all, in regular finance, debt and finance are the same. So why don't people uh, get more fin- uh, stock? Uh, sorry, equity finance rather than just debt finance?
6: Aja, to, to answer the first question, Peking hmm. was an institution while it worked, till the early 70s. Hmm. So was IDBP. Hmm. On the board were donors representatives, so the World Bank was on the board, as it so happens, Bank of America was in address. A Bank of America was on the field mm-hmm. and it worked institutionally. It promoted from within. Yes, the head of Peking was very often a civil servant, but the experts were all people chosen for skills other than finance because they were meant to advise industry on what to do, on what to choose, and on how to put things together. Mm-hmm. While it was left alone to work as an institution, it worked brilliantly, I think. I think IDBP worked very well. I think even NDFC, which came up later in the early years, was very effective. I think bankers' equity. You ask some of the businessmen here; they'll tell you that bankers equity got them going. It was putting in private equity. It was putting in venture capital. Then, in the eighties, the entire financial sector collapsed after the after the nationalized banks became extensions of government policy. And 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 that's and that. And that is really you see we shouldn't confuse the earlier public institutions with the later public. When we think of and, and uh, when you think of nationalisation here, we think of the industries Mr. Bhutto nationalised, which all met a very sorry end. So we think of public sector institutions in that context. But I would say what we'd built up before that, which were run institutionally, were very powerful. You, you know we've heard a lot of scepticism about will ever fit. You know, we ever work our way out of this paper bag, but uh, you know, one can you know remain convinced as I am that we can repeat what we did in the past. It's the same people. That if we can run companies abroad, run businesses abroad, we 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 can certainly do it here. Uh, the second on on uh, uh, stock market, yes, yeah, stock market will list. For, uh, you know, as as a public limited company, broad disclosure hota hai comments both my company ke analysis hoti hai. uh if you go to the public markets you are you have to be committed to balance sheet based formal growth with a lot of disclosure a lot of you know public shareholders asking questions <clears throat> and our businessmen by and large don't prefer, prefer not to get entangled with the, with that mess mm-hmm. we raise uh, if you look at the uh, the financing of our corporations less than one percent comes from the stock market. Mm -hmm. The rest is internally generated finance or debt, Mm -hmm. and this hasn't changed. So, Mm -hmm. our stock market is a trading platform, it's not a capital raising platform, Mm -hmm. and and that's the fact. Mm -hmm. Now, it's held together by very powerful people, Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, and so it gets a lot – now, you tell me why. Why? why? Just tell me why the stock market is in the newspapers, every day, 52, 33, 44, 44. What difference is it making to anyone except to investors? Is it doing anything for growth is it doing anything for employment hmm. so, but why does it get so much publicity
2: hmm. 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 so Talim, if you have so, finished then then I'd like to, to to jump in
6: and 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 my second comment on this our cotton crop is down from whatever it was at it's peak 12 13 to 6 industry hmm. machinery and like we've heard several times before, our exports are now going to grow at 25%. And by God, watch us perform. You, you help, we perform. Chhe million, chhe million bills, cotton, ho ke, padhegi, how much mentioned do you see? And why are we in this position? You know, I was talking about Imbrapa. You know, are, are these things we couldn't help for ourselves? Chala hai, because the prices aren't good enough. Why aren't the prices good enough? Because a mill owner can import when he wants to. Mm. He is not compelled, nobody is compelled back mm. to improving the quality. Nobody is uh, compelled back to improving the quality of our cotton to get the farmer going back again. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 million pays. Mm. But you won't see mention of this in the newspaper. So I think the way our economy is presented mm. is really tilted to <clears throat> either the export industry or the LSM, which together is about 17% of GDP. Mm. Uh, you know, the bulk of the remaining doesn't get a mention. There are real issues, there are real solutions, there, there's a lot that can be done. Mm. Um, but there we are. Mm.
0: Okay. Ashutha?
2: I, have- I might uh, stock market. I endorse 100% what Salim has said. Mm-hmm let me tell you a story in 82 when i came back from okay. washington to minister khan stock market it hasn't changed much since then but the more important point was your first point point. and i would mention any two points that Salim made that i want to endorse First point is, okay, look, we are back in the fifties. Mm-hmm. We are back in a position where you have a private sector that is skittish, does not want to invest. Mm-hmm. And so there is a need now to redo PIDC and, and PICIC. And, and I, I would put NDFC, the late NDFC as a much more appropriate institution in the context of our discussion of SOEs because sari financing and dfc se and successful institutions were model mm. hamare ya sort of jo civil servant zere atab na, mm. financial institutions mm. okay, he has the contacts and you you do you cannot run mm. financial institutions in pakistan mm. without having the contacts mm. and having the Service strength to resist
3: pressure.
2: Hmm. When he was in NDFC, the anti corruption committee appointed a chairman. So you need that combination. But it is a complete falsehood to say that DFCs were a failure in Pakistan. Fashions shifted in Washington, but DFCs were a great success. And so they ought to be revived.
0: I'm going to hold you to this. I hope you would give us a paper. You and Salim would give us a paper on uh, for PID. You should publish because I'm still a skeptic on DFCS. But uh, we'll take that up again,
1: okay? Can
0: I can
1: I interrupt? Ji, <laughs> 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 please go ahead. that hmm. <laughs> I Ek to hai NDFC jiski abhi baat kiya hai IDBP jiski abhi IDBP which was not doing anything. And NDFC which was doing everything, maybe not, not everything right, but was doing everything. NDFC was winded up, IDBP is still there. What logic, what rationale do we have? another one which you don't hear much of well obviously not many people remember it anymore, icp jo aadha se stock market aaj jo develop hua hai jo icp ka a major role tha magar kya hua wo kis problem jo hai problem मैं आपको बताऊं जब मैं एनआईटी को लुक आफ्टर कर रहा था तो मुझे जनाब एनआईटी तो अभी तक बैठी हुई है आई नो बैठी हुई बिल्कुल तरकी के एनआईटी मुझे बता दे वो इन्वेस्ट कर रही है वो पैसे बना रही क्या
0: मतलब इन्वेस्ट कर रही इन्वेस्टमेंट तो
1: उनकी तीस पुरानी कोई नहीं मैं बताने की ये कोशिश कर रहा हूं कि जो एनआईटी बिल्कुल व्हाट यू आर सेइंग कि एनआईटी जो के वही कर रहा है जो आज से 10 साल पहले या 20 साल पहले कर रहा था मगर आईसीपी जो के बहुत कुछ कर रहा था जितने भी जो कितने का मतलब 25 उन्होंने खोले थे जो सेंटर्स they have all been closed down. Hmm. ICP is not there anymore. Hmm. NIT is still there. So you see the problem which happened, which happened, that we don't realize that every thing is a love of privatization. Hmm. Privatization, I'm, I'm not a, a great opponent of uh, privatization. There's nothing wrong. Hmm. The problem is that uh, institution को पब्लिक सेक्टर they are on the list of privatization. When they are on the list of privatization, they, we have not thought of it that उस वक्त जो उसके मैनेजमेंट है वो काम करना बंद कर देती uh, hamari eek, uh, bhoat uchhi fertilizer ki unit thi, uska nama ta paak saudi fertilizer, one of the money spinners, one of the money spinners, one uh, of uh, the money spinners, in, in, in the whole of, fertilizer industry, uska manager joh hai, mujhe her saal, jab, target, uh, set up karne ke liya hum baihttay thae, to, her saal arm ke muche se kata ta, saab, खुदा हाफिज अगले साल तो आपसे मुलाकात नहीं होगी मैंने क्यों होगा अगले साल तक तो हम प्राइवेटाइज हो जाएंगे mm-hmm. उस दरमियान में उसको ये इंस्ट्रक्शंस आ गई थी कि जी आपने कोई रिसर्च नहीं करनी कोई बीएमआर नहीं करना mm-hmm. कोई बैलेंसिंग नहीं करनी आपने क्योंकि आप प्राइवेटाइज होने वाले हैं mm-hmm. और उसका के कौन करेगा कौन नहीं करेगा mm-hmm. कमिशन mm-hmm. तो का मतलब ये है कि टेक uska jo impacts hai wo hum nahi this is one of the reasons ki hamari this waqt jo hai private sector jo public sector who were doing quite well at one time they are where they
0: are now हुँ. thank you quickly 80 ke baad mere paas so sare purane shares dividends pe number 2 privatization to and we keep talking about sarmaya and all this important imf program whatever it might say leakage is now almost half of revenues I'll make a case public sector enterprises on seeapnica circular debt is about 1.2 which is huge we have lost about 10 trillion according to our calculation 10 trillion rupees in public sector sorry in, sort of energy losses on the last in the last 10 years we lose about 500 billion a year we lose about 3 400 in commodity finance we lose PIE, figures, we are losing roughly about 1.5 trillion rupees on the pscs we are also losing jo humne at some stage we pstp mein agar dekhein nilam jhelum ko islamabad airport pstp losses so i would think that the public sector loses roughly half of revenues every year more than the army by the way through these losses and nobody talks about them, right? Now we are losing a huge amount of money, more than our defense budget. And everybody wants to cut the defense budget, but nobody wants to cut the defense the losses of the, of the public sector. <speaking in foreign language> For example, times about, even Shakir Durani, who's a bully. Shakil Durani admits that he is better than the ministry. The ministry really wants to run these enterprises. That's a fact. We have webinars with about 50 different people and everyone says that the fault is the secretaries. I'll be more specific. That the secretary likes to run the system. Can this be done? Should this be done? You, one of the famous secretaries. What do you recommend as a governance
4: change? governance is uh, it, you know the the problem is that uh, we had uh, local governance, which was you know col- so-called colonial. But the f- the the fayda was that uh, <clears throat> in the era that we were <clears throat> there, the district governance or the district uh, effectiveness was absolute. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you could. Uh, but unfortunately, in uh, since there were some bad eggs in the field as deputy commissioners and commissioners, arrogant and you know non-available, maybe some of them were corrupt. The whole system was bound up. Now, similarly, there is no system which is right or wrong in my view. Uh, systems evolve in an organization. Wherever you try and reform the systems. Uh, uh, drastically you know you get up uh, get into a trouble and therefore aap administrative reforms ki history pakistan okay zanna administrative reforms say improvement may i carabia joba to about way a present government can take a administrative reforms kebac caray and they are claiming a lot of administrative reforms they are really basically just uh um, changing of the notifications and commas and full stops mm. of the promotion policy and the commas and full stop of the rotation policies, things that have been tried repeatedly. Mm. So therefore, uh, the, the in, I don't think that uh, it is the issue that some secretary is calling too many people. The, the problem is that the delegation of power which used to be there, the public sector enterprises were successfully run. Mm. like. Miller Tractors was one. There were scores of factories, uh, you know, making fertilizer, making cement, which were successfully being run, and there was no grouse because people were not called to the ministry. the political milieu has deteriorated, and the pressure on the secretary is that he will face a, a, a blast on a bezati in every meeting of the cabinet so he is under pressure he passes on the pressure to the chief executives or the people under him and so jo maine pehle baat decision making has gone up you know rather than being delegated to wo sari impact karti your performance ko the secretaries jo hain wo ya performance ko samajhte hain behtar karne ke liye is kisam micro manage karne ki zarurat padti federal secretaries jo ke you know, they maybe stay six months, nine months, a year, and then things start getting hot, they much rather getting get transferred rather than face the music. So therefore, mm-hmm. جو, جو न, uh, it's a reflection of A, individual, and B, the political milieu that has changed and deteriorated, you know. And mm-hmm. I us taraf reform nahi hoga uska reform hone ke chances is waaste nahi hai ki abhi aap dekhenge ki ye hukumat 2.5 saal se aayi hai bade kuch intentions se aayi hai aur ye kehte hain ki kehte hain ki unki sare jo paper pe stated cheeze thi while they were uh, contesting the elections were all right but having come into power they seem to have lost their way you know hmm. in this pantomime that ashish saab has said about islamabad They seem to have lost their way Hmm. and it's unlikely to me that they're like, you know, that we're going to find the way in the next two years because they're they're, they're fighting for their uh, survival and not necessarily for planning something which is big. And so uh, unless we sort out the macro political issues, none of the things that we are talking about will either get improved and like, like uh, Arshad-Sahab said recommendation you send recommendation. If you send any you will be
0: You you. it, You will be amused. I ask every webinar, are there any civil servants here? And the answer is always no. I ask, are there any politicians here? The answer is always no. So you're absolutely right. In the corridors of power, they're cutters. They're situated in silos where they have no ears. They don't listen. They don't want to talk. That's besides the point. Chale. But let me ask one last question from all of you. Eisenhower's famous statement hai, uska hai, plans are worthless, but planning is everything. So did Citibank have plans? Did they have announced plans, announced policies? Did they, sort of work on things that you were doing, um, policies and plans very carefully because I'll come back to the same right side, and whoever likes in the last 20 years we've had an analysed almost everything that has been done has been done by the donors. Our law donors have made our public financial management ki lord donors ne manai, state bank ki law donors ne banayi to hamari ministry to ab kaam karna chhod diya hai tasneem saab theek kehte they but uh, administrative bureaucracies but ye tasneem saab bahut pehle way back jab banthi ya hyata 1958 to we took on the, the bureaucracy took on the mantle of development although we should have had a separate development bureaucracy now the development bureaucracy uh, the, the bureaucracy is divided so, go back to the magisterial role. Magisterial role, everybody wants to develop and Development and say, people want to manage public sector enterprises. This is another thing. DFI, Saudi, PAK They are very good. Again, I've analyzed them. But it's a for retired bankers. I mean, you get them and they're great knockers. I don't know what they do, but they exist. So where's they, they, the game? They invest largely on the stock industry. So, so what's happening? The DFIs exist. Bankers get great jobs. They get paid fifty lakhs a month. What are they doing? You know. You know what the DF, What should happen with
6: the DFIs is
0: through agreement
6: with all the investing governments, we should merge them, cre- create one solid development bank, and make it work our objectives. Uh,
0: but uh, anyway, that's one solution for them do you did you have plans in Citibank and policies? And why does the government not have them? You've been mashallah governor central bank. Do we have any plans and policies in the government? I think
6: Banate plans, I think they're set aside and they're sort of ignored in the breach. I think I think we my planning horizon is one year uh, disrupted several times in the course of that one. So, so we neither have plans, nor do we have indicative plans, nor do we have you know plans that look at some horizon that one way or the other will get there. So I agree. I mean, there is a total void, and that creates a void in vision, and that makes all your. That's why your policy making, economic and commercial policy making, is subordinated either to the needs of IMF or the needs of a big business. Without planning, without planning, you cannot prevent. And that's where we are. I, I, would think go, I, I, I would really, really go for the real, I mean, I would say the number one, if it can be done, is to put the planning commission back in the saddle where it was once. And it doesn't have to plan five, five years and one year. It can give you indicative planning. It can coordinate the requirements. It can decide on allocation of finance, which today is outside the power of public sector enterprises. Everything is done by the finance ministry. Hmm. So, coach, hmm. you were there. You know, it, 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 did, you, did you see hope in the in the planning commission being able to get back into some
2: kind of guidance role?
0: Nope, not at all. Not at all. Achha, sahab, ah, tha ye
2: ke, Hadeem, hmm. The government plans and the people plot. Hmm. And <laughs> and plots are usually more successful than plans. Hmm. Our planning is all planned documents in four color print on glossy paper are marketing documents. Anybody who understands government realizes that the activities of governments are strategic. If we to so a plan of attacking India, as the German general said, all war plans are useless after the first bullet is fired। hmm. So, जो जो policy की तुम तलाश में policy exists. करती है, Closed exist करती है meetings में कहीं लिखी हुई नहीं kitchen cabinet that meets before the cabinet meets, की की होती regular feature है, यानी अगर 10 the cabinet है, तो 9.30 meeting होती है, कहीं उसकी minutes cabinet division। has no knowledge of it hmm. that is where policy is made policy meaning plans to be implemented hmm. baki hum par mutalba itna hota hai hmm. wo kehta ji world bank wale kehte hain ki hame ye plan chahiye rolling plan chahiye jumping plan chahiye slipping hmm. plan chahiye so wo hmm. humne machine lagayi hui hai wo plan kar yes. deti hai it isn't that there isn't any planning planning is the plots are there hmm. jo cheez tumhe आती है हमारे प्लान सारे कुछ नहीं हैं, they are not working। Psychologists have a phenomenon called strategic helplessness। कहते हैं कि होता है, वो दफ्तर जाके बम बनाता है, घर आके कहता है अपनी बीवी से मुझे मोजे नहीं मिल रहे, तो बीवी उसे मोजे तलाश करके देती है, तो इसको strategic helplessness कहते हैं। जब डोनर हमसे कहा के कह that's a brilliant idea. Let's form a committee. And the committee will come up with a report. The back to office report the government is totally incompetent. <laughs> I was surprised when I came to government <laughs> to how competent government is in the things it wants to do. <laughs> as economic advisor, export imports key statistics within hours across the countries. Until the computers destroyed it. <laughs> the So the answer to your question is that there are policies. But if anything is public, it is not a policy, it is, it is marketing.
0: Okay, good. Thank you very much. I think this has been a very interesting seminar. of Unfortunately, so I think we should close it down. Istakbal I'll call you to round it up so that we can close it down. G. My unmute karle Thank you, thank you, Nadim. Um, uh, once again, as I said earlier, that it was a
1: pleasure. Uh, having uh, uh, the, uh the the most uh, uh you know uh, professionals uh, around um, and um nadim um all i can say is that um, which i said earlier that it was uh, it was a uh, uh, some kind of a music to my ears uh, for one reason one reason is that um, not only that uh, public sector was not uh, condemned but there was also some 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 thoughts which were, which came out about it and i i hope we, we are able to do something about it and uh, as you yourself had uh, proposed that uh, we should not have one seminar or, or um, uh, we should have a series of that maybe two or three uh, like that and uh, maybe we we, uh, we uh, should start uh, planning for the next few, and maybe ideas uh, from the uh, from the present company, and they can give some, some proposals. So what are the various areas where we should focus on? On personally, I've, my my uh, feeling is, you see, uh, I'm, again, I'm not being biased or anything. In somehow, this whole privatization. And uh, the talk is becoming very damaging. The re- the reason I'm saying is that there are a number of things which are not being done because simply because that is going to be privatized and it's a part of the and which is not going to, and which is not even being privatized and that is the worst thing that you're uh, talking about it and um, the result is the other day I. Uh, so and I was shocked when I saw, you know, my last bank which I had, um, uh, uh, you know, heading. Uh, uh, that was the agriculture bank, and I was told that that is uh, that has come on 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 the privatization list. No problem if you can privatize, go ahead. But you are not going to privatize it. The result is that whatever it is it is doing, doing in so many days, probably. Even that is not going to. to. Can you imagine a bank um, uh, for the last three years did not have a board? So, so those are the things which which are which are um, uh, damaging. And I think it will be useful when we have um, uh, uh, the uh, the next um, two or three uh, um, subject uh, to focus on. And uh, one is the various impact. Of um, uh, um, uh, privatization, not uh, I'm not saying that we, they should not be privatization, but it is that it should be, there should be some kind of uh, you know b- thought about it that how do we approach and minimize the damages which is being caused by by simply by saying something and not doing it. So so with that, um, uh, Nadim, thank you very much. I would once again uh, thank you for. Um, uh, are um, encouraging the subject and um, I hope we shall be able to um, uh, pick up um, uh, some thoughts uh, from there and then then uh, carry on in the, in the forthcoming in, uh, webinar which we are going to have. Thank,
0: Thank you, you. Medhi, sir. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Salim Raza. Thank you, Tasneem Murani. Thank you, Sikander, sir. Thank you. Um, I will just say this, Kiji. We are very grateful to you for coming to Pide and helping us do this. Our initiative at Pide is really to establish a national narrative and, and, and a research agenda. And uh, these webinars are directed towards the kids. We've had a day. Let's let's try and lead them with good ideas. And uh, what I found, find in academia is we are researching, as Ashad said, on on crazy topics a research agenda national bus donor jo batata, hum kar and with the result that there is really clearly no domestic debate on any issue for example most of our kids don't even know what a Dfi is they don't even know what park saudi is i think we really need to educate these kids on these issues and talk to them about it so we are trying to establish through these webinars we are trying to establish national research agenda we are, we are linking these webinars to um, to a research fund we are uh, which is called Rasta, Research for Social Transformation and Advancement. And that Rasta is creating a countrywide research competition, and we are trying to mainstream these webinar subjects onto the, that. that <clears throat> as student community, our university community, start thinking about these things. We are to, right now trying to only emulate the West, and we want to get them out of emulating the West. So let's see how it goes. It's an experiment, it's worth trying. I don't think uh, it can be done in a very quick time. But we will do these webinars again and again, and we'll invite you again and again to give your wisdom, after all, you have, mashallah, got a huge amount of knowledge, and we will try and, they will transcribe this webinar, not transcribe, but will summarize it. We've already had about 100 plus webinars, and our kids have prepared a book based on these webinars, and we are going to use, prepare another book this year. So your whatever you said is going to be translated into a paper, and it will be Taken up by, um, you know, uh, research professionals. So that's the whole purpose of these uh, webinars. We will invite you again and again. We will inshallah repeat this again. The idea is to learn. And thank you very much. Thank you for helping us. Learn. Thank you. All thank you very hope. much.
3: Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank and you very, thank you. very, thank
0: you very, very much, for the
3: office All the best. Thank you. All the best, thank everybody.